0: This week is devoted to questions and answers by young people of high school, academy age, even at a junior college. And we're so happy for the privilege that we have of finding answers in God's Word. And right away, we're gonna start with the first question. Whoever has that first question, would you like to come up with me and thank you. Yeah, Pastor Shacoon, why must teachers and parents act as if only we young people are wrong? Don't they make mistakes too sometimes? And what should we kids do about it? I think that's a wonderful question. I think, first of all, as uh, one who represents teachers and uh, ministers and parents, I want to apologize to you young people who are here and to those who view this on video for the many mistakes that we as teachers and parents and ministers have made. Uh, I was principal at one time of a little uh, junior academy. And while I did a lot of things right, (laughs) I did some things wrong. I embarrassed some of the students that made a mistake instead of handling it in the right way. So when I point out some mistakes that teachers or parents have made, I want you to know that we're all in the same boat. And the Bible says in James 5.16, confess your faults one to another. And in Philippians 2.5 to 7, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. I've come to the conclusion that the first thing in the Christian life for us to learn is to, is to doubt ourselves and to humble ourselves. I'm thinking of a medical doctor who shared this experience with us several years ago. He stated that when he was in a school, it was in the upper grades at least of the academy, He had left home, he'd been in high school. He left home and went to this this Christian school. And uh, contrary to the rules of the school, he went out hiking with a mixed group of young people one evening. And the faculty met and voted to expel him. And the principal invited Luke into his office and he told Luke that the faculty had voted to expel him. And then he sat there, the principal sat there, and kindly and sweetly and lovingly and humbly, he said, Luke, you've come from a private home. It is my duty to explain to you that the, that the laws and the rules of a school have to be different from home rules, because we represent hundreds of young people. So our rules have to be uh, a little more strict. And he went on for about 15 minutes, and he explained to Luke. And he explained to Luke also, and allowed that Luke didn't understand this. Then he walked over to where Luke was. He put his arms around Luke, and he said, Luke, I'm sure that you didn't fully understand this. He said, though the faculty has voted to expel you, Will you give me the authority to represent your willingness and eagerness to keep the rules of the school? And I want to share this with them. And Luke felt that warm armor on him. He felt that tender expression looking into his youthful face. And he told me, he said, all through school, I could never forget how kind that teacher was. I had made the mistake. He allowed that I didn't understand. He allowed that he believed in me. He said, and all through that school and on into into La Sierra College and on through medicine, I never forgot that there was somebody who believed in me. But there was another teacher in that same school, Luke told us, who did the opposite, and that's why I'm apologizing to young people. He said, I was uh, in a laboratory, and he said, we were dissecting uh, a chicken's brain. And he said, I was astonished when I got down in that brain to find how tiny was the brain of a chicken. And he said, I said to the teacher, this chicken brain is so tiny. And the teacher glared back and said, just like your brain. And he said, all through school the devil tantalized me with the idea, you don't know too much. You're not too intelligent. But he said, that principal who put his arm around me and understood and gave me another chance, that carried me all through life. He said, later, when I was graduating from medicine, he said, uh, this first teacher, who had been working on his PhD for years and could never pass, He happened there at Loma Linda and he said, uh, he said, Luke, uh, what are you doing now? And Luke decided he wouldn't tell him for a while. Well, he said, nothing right now. He just graduated see, from medicine. Oh, what have you been doing? Well, he said, I've been studying a little. And and Luke was just ready to go on a vacation. He had done so well in school (laughs) that somebody gave him a car. (laughs) And he just was married and was going to have a honeymoon. And he said, I I strung that teacher along for quite a while, and finally I said, well, I just graduated. He said, I said, by the way, what about your Ph.D.? The teacher said, I haven't made it yet. Oh, what about you, Luke? Well, he said, I just uh, have received my, my M.D. degree. He said, you know, it seemed like the Lord couldn't bless that man for his attitude. So the Bible says confess your faults one to another. He told me another experience he had. He said, when he was in La Sierra, there was one of the teachers that took a dislike to him, strong dislike. And he said, uh, my grade average lacked just a little bit of being high enough to get into medical school. If I would take one more class and get a higher grade in that, I'd be eligible to enter medical school. And the teacher wouldn't let me take one more class. But he said, in the same College. there was another teacher that said, I will guide you privately through another class. But the first teacher was determined that I would not get into medisco- medical school. He said, but the other teacher arranged with the powers that be that I would receive credit for that class, and I entered medical school. He said, the teacher that was so mean to me he said, when I graduated from La Sierra, I walked out in front, any of you who've seen La Sierra College, as you walk out in front of the school, down below is the, uh, the farm. And he said, I made some comment to the teacher about how beautiful it was there. He said, I had worked my, my fingernails off to get through school. And the teacher turned to me and said, fooling around like you? And he said, I got mad. He said, there he was beside me belittling me. He said, I doubled up my fist and I was just ready to level him. And a voice said to me, don't do it. You'll never get into medicine. He said, so I relaxed. He said, I doubled up my fist again. And the voice said, don't do it. He said, I jumped over the hedge so that I wouldn't knock this man down. And he said, so the Lord delivered me. So we have apologies to make, not merely for teachers, But for ministers. As a minister, I've made many mistakes. I'm thinking one of the mistakes I made was when I was pastor of three churches up in New Jersey many years ago, there was an academy in a large home at the time. Now they have fine buildings. And the and and the business manager of this school called me by long distance one day and he said, I'm in trouble. Will you come over? So I jumped in my car, rushed over there. It was about twenty miles. When I got there. I said, where's the business manager? They said, he's upstairs. I want a double flight of stairs. And he was in a room with the most cantankerous looking woman. She looked like a she uh, uh, demon. Her eyes were like the eyes of a serpent. And her tongue was as sharp. And she was giving him the works. And right away, (laughs) the coon in me came out. And I turned him and I said, if I were you, I wouldn't even stay in this room with this woman. So we both started out. We started down the double flight of stairs, and we got down one flight, and the Lord caught up with me. The Lord said, Coon, by your inference, you belittle that woman. You don't know her problems. Go back and apologize. I said to the business manager, I've made a mistake. I've given you poor counsel. He said, I think you've given me good counsel. And he began to take about two steps at a time on down. I said, I've got to go back and apologize. As I started back up, I thought, if I hadn't opened my big mouth and belittled that woman, I wouldn't have to be doing this now. My father taught me to apologize. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. When I got up those three, two flights of stairs and walked in the room, or was about to walk in the room, the old lady wasn't there. When the students was there, I said, where did the lady go? He said, on up two more flights. <laughs> they were the two hardest flights of stairs I've ever made in all my life, students. I said, why did I open my big mouth and condemn her? But it's my duty to apologize. Went up that flight of stairs. It seemed like my legs were iron. (laughs) There she was in the room. I walked in and I'd said, Lord, give me the strength to apologize. My father taught me to do it. No matter what she has done, I'm to apologize for my mistakes and never refer to hers. So I walked in the room, I said, I've come up to apologize. Will you forgive me for what I said? Did you ever see a cat play with a mouse that she wasn't quite ready to eat? She would just nibble at him and throw him up and take a bite or two and the mouse would try to get away. Ever see that? I was just like the mouse and she was like the cat. And when I said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? She looked daggers and she said, how sorry are you? I said, I'm very sorry. Are you sure? I said, yes, I'm sure. I should have helped you bear your burden. I don't know what the burden was. Instead of belittling you, I should have taken a completely different attitude. Are you sure you're sorry? (laughs) I said, yes, would you mind if I kneel in prayer and ask the Lord to help you with whatever that burden was and to forgive me if you're sure? (laughs) I was never happier to get on my knees away from the gaze, the serpent gaze of that woman. As I fell on my knees, my heart went out to the Lord. And I said something like this, Dear Lord, will you forgive me? This dear lady has a burden of which I know nothing. I should have come to her rescue to help her to bear that burden. Forgive me, Lord, and as I did it, if I ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, God says he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The angels, I believe, must have filled that room. For the moment I said, Amen, the lady burst into tears and she began to pray. Dear Lord, it's all my fault. And then she told the Lord something that was absolutely fantastic. She said, I did what I did to stir up trouble. She said, the faculty had voted that there'd be no pajama parties." So I wrote a note, you're invited tonight to the pajama party at such and such a place. I put that note in my daughter's hands and I instructed her when she walked near one of the teachers drop this note as though she dropped it by mistake the teacher then would accost her and say you wrote this note and she said no way but you did we saw you drop it no way and she said and that's what the the business manager did then i took him on as she was weeping sobbing oh god please forgive me and he forgave her so as we travel along the little highway of life again i want to say to you young people who are here And to those who are viewing this, I want to say, thank God that he forgives us. Let's never be too big to apologize. Amen. Thank you for the question. Is there another question now? Pastor Kuhn, I have another question for you. How should teachers give young people counsel when we know (laughs) they are doing wrong? That's a good question, isn't it? That's something along the line we were just speaking, wasn't it? Uh, the Bible tells us how to give counsel. And, and as you are a group of young people, you will want to know also how you will share counsel with people you see who ask. The Bible says, and it's found in Malachi chapter 2, verse 7, that the minister, for instance, and the Bible says all of us Christians are ministers. You know that. Every layman is a minister. He's not the pastor, but he's a minister. It says that we should always give counsel directly from God's word, Malachi 2.7. We should never give our own opinions. How about that? There are two reasons for this. One is that God's word not merely tells us what to do, but it gives us the power to do it, you see. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, all the host of them by the breath of his mouth, you see. And it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. So when we share God's word with people, we're not merely telling them what to do, we're letting God tell them, but there's power in it. That is the difference between going to a psychiatrist and going to God's word. A psychiatrist can tell us where we've made a mistake and he can, uh, he can make suggestions, but there's no power in the human word. The power is in the word of God. I remember a lady who came to me for counsel, and you'll be interested in this because you'll be giving counsel to one of these days. She came to me for counsel. And I said, the first counsel I want to give you is, don't believe a word I tell you unless I find it in the Bible. I said, because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 5, Cursed is the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm. Oh, she said now i do want counsel i said the second bit of counsel is don't let my interpretation of what the bible says cause you to trust in that the holy spirit gave the bible and the holy spirit interprets it then she opened her heart i said on the way home i said while we're here i can share with you the texts. i can even share with you experiences of people who have failed to follow the word of god and I can share experiences of those who did follow, but only the Holy Spirit can interpret that to your need. Oh, she said, tell me, please tell me. So we had a good time. Uh, I was invited to hold a a series of meetings in a certain place where there were a lot of older people. (laughs) I'm glad there are a lot of young people here. And I was to speak on the home, like the question is. And I was stating how we should never, none of us, should tell somebody else what to do, except that it's based on God's Word. And I was building it up and building it up and building it up, and the place was crammed, rammed, and jammed. The main auditorium was packed. Up in the balcony it was packed. It seemed like there wasn't a seat left. And I noticed that the dear saints, <laughs> as they heard me talking about how always find it in the Bible, oh, they relished it. And then all of a sudden, they changed. I, I had in my hand a book, a big, thick book. I'd borrowed it from a barber about an hour before the meetings. I was so intrigued with it. I said, could I borrow that for my first meeting? And I said, I'll bring it back, big think book. So after I explained to people, never tell people what to do except it's based on the Bible. Then I said, and I called a, a, another minister to take this book. I said, now, if you can't find an answer in the Bible, this book will tell you exactly what to say. And then I saw, these dear people who thought I was a fundamentalist up to that point. They thought, here he's told us to find it in the Bible. Now they're telling, he's telling us if we can't find the Bible, find it in this book. He's putting this book ahead of the Bible. And, and I kept on saying, I said, no, Brother Carnforth, if you'll turn to, let's say, page 144 in this book, it'll tell you exactly what to say if you can't find it in the Bible. And I saw all those people sitting there. They were saying in the heart horrors he's saying you can find it in another book i said would you open to this page let's say 144 what does it say there exactly what it says you can say what does it say brother cornforth he said it says nothing that's exactly what you're to tell people if you can't find a bible-based <laughs> statement nothing i said well let's turn to page 462 let's say what does that say it tells us exactly how to answer. What is they? Nothing. Let's take, turn to page 418. Let's say. What is they? Nothing. That's what we're to tell people when we can't base it on God's word. I was so thrilled because this book was about that thick, <laughs> and and every page was blank. And I now understand why, because I looked at the title. And the title was, What I Know About Women. And every page was blank. <laughs> so that is the answer. Find the answer in God's word. Don't tell people what we think. It won't help them. There's no power in the, in the, in the words of man. All flesh is grass, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thank you so much for the question. Does there happen to be another question? Oh, yes. Here comes another. Thank you. Is it possible for a young person who is always getting into trouble to change? Are people liable to form habits in youth that will keep them from ever changing? Now, isn't that a good question? Is it possible for people who are forming habits in youth to change? When I was a a boy, they had a song they used to sing in those days. And it went like this the bird with a broken pinion never soared so high again. And I didn't like it. It's discouraging. It's telling people that if they make a mistake, that they can never rise above it, I don't believe it, do you? I believe we can rise above mistakes, don't you? The Bible says we can. The Bible says, "A new heart I will give you, Ezekiel 36:26. God says, "I'll restore unto you the years the locusts of Eden." Joel 2:25, which means, no matter though we've made a lot of mistakes, we can change. Let me give you a couple examples. <laughs> When I was just uh, a lad about so high, uh, it was the duty of my brother Lester and, uh, and of me, we were farmers, to go way back up into the woods, over the hill, and get the cows in the evening for milking. We had a neighbor next door who had a, a big bull. And the law of the of county or state was that they could not let these bulls out to roam in a pasture. But this this neighbor was a cantankerous geezer. And he let this bull out. My brother and I went up to get the cows that evening. And the bull had broken through and he was in our pasture. We went, oh, maybe a half a mile or more back there in the woods. And when that bull, we just started the cows down the toward home, this bull took a look at us and he started after us. It just happened that right near where we were, there was a tree that was blown down, and, and it left a big hole. And my brother Lester and I climbed into that hole as fast as we could, and of course the bull didn't dare to climb into there. So the cows went on down, and the bull followed, and we followed afar off. <laughs> and when we got down there, we told a couple of our elder, older brothers what had happened. And they said, we're going to punish that bull. So they put all the cows in the stanchions, they put the bull in the stanchion, milked the cows, and when they were ready to let the cows out, they let all the cows out first, out of the barn. Then very carefully, before they let the cows out, they had a nice big metal pail with a big bale, and they braided this bull's tail into the bale of the pail. And after all the cows were out, one of the boys held this pail, so the bull wouldn't know that it was baled bale to his tail, and they let him out, and just as he was halfway out of the door, they let that pail down and hit his feet, and he went, whoop, and he kicked just as he left. He kicked, and that pail went right back over the small of his back and hit it, and he said, whoop, and he kicked again, and that bale came down on his feet, and he kicked it over in his back, It went back on his feet, and that bull was making his way out as fast as he knew how. When he hit the road toward home, he was going so fast he couldn't turn in the driveway to his home. He went right on down over the hill, through the town, partway up the next hill, and when they found this bull, the braid in his tail was entirely gone, and the pail was too. Now, could those boys change? (laughs) They did. Five of us, eight brothers, became ministers. The Lord can change. The Lord can. Another experience that shows the Lord can change, there was a man in our neighborhood who was uh, the laziest man that ever walked in t- on two legs, I think. And he, and he, uh, he would come over to our home every once in a while. And he seemed to come just at dinner time. We're farmers. Mother would poach eggs in cream because we had lots of cows, lots of cream, lots of eggs. And that rascal would seem to come just in time to eat. And mother would let him eat. And one day he he was eating these poached eggs in cream and he wouldn't even admit it was cream. Mr. Goon, I like these eggs poached in milk. Mother was furious, and we, we boys took on the same fury, that lazy tyke. One day he brought his, his lunch, just one day, put it outside up by the, by the, the little old uh, uh, ch- uh, chimney, and uh, uh, my brothers, while he was in the house, Two of my brothers decided they'd see what he had in the lunch. And they found he had dried beef. And they said, ah, we like a little meat. Nobody sees it. So they picked at the dried beef. They didn't worry about the bread. And they picked until they'd eaten all the dried beef. And they said, what are we going to do? What in the world will we do? They finally thought up a good idea. They'd go down and get some angleworms. And they washed them off real nice and put a batch of angleworms between the slices. But they forgot that angleworms can crawl. They no no sooner than had these slices together than angleworms were looking outside. So they said, this can't be. We've got to do a better job. So they took them out and cut them up in fine pieces, put them back in, put the slices together, put them back in his lunch. When he came to dinner, Mrs. Kuhn, somebody has been tampering with my lunch. She said, my boys would never do it. Now, those out of eight boys, five became ministers. Can God change us though we've made mistakes? What do you say? Yes. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse dot org